Well, have you ever forgot something that would have added value to your life had you remembered it earlier? Have you ever forgot something that would have added value to your life had you remembered it earlier? And I'm not just asking you about the time that you locked yourself out of your car, just to get that straight. Well, last week I had the opportunity to fly to Denver and spend a few days there for, for a Bible conference. And uh, as, I, as, I got, as I secured my ground transportation, I was barreling down I-70, um, watching the Rocky Mountains pop up before me. And suddenly it hit me, it hit me almost like a ton of bricks. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. Now, that's not something you, that's not a feeling that you want to have when you're halfway across the, the country. Um, it's, but I'm not talking about my credit card. I'm not talking about uh, my extra pair of contacts. No, I'm talking about something altogether different. I forgot about something important that happened in that city uh, 10 years ago, something important that happened to me. I made my way out to Denver because, well, my sister lived there and, and the Rocky Mountains lived there. So I, I wanted to spend some time in the mountains. But I was also studying the book of Revelation at the time. And you don't need to go to Denver to study the book of Revelation. But uh, the way that I wanted to study the book of Revelation, I needed a, a seminary library to get some tools and resources to, to go a little bit deeper. And, and Denver Seminary happened to be there. So I was able to check off three boxes all at once. So I made my way out to Denver and uh, found my way into the seminary library. And at the time, I, I kind of uh, I had a favorite Bible teacher who taught at the school. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be cool? I just thought this to myself, and I never said it to anybody. Wouldn't it be cool if I ran into him here? Now, it wasn't meant to be. It turns out that he was on sabbatical during that time in the summer and yeah, I was in the library anyways. I didn't like snoop around campus and open doors to try to find <laughs> this person. But something funny happened to me when I, when I went back to my sister's. My brother-in-law was uh, stooped over his uh, new-to-him motorcycle that he was trying to uh, get operational in his garage. And his, his neighbor was over who knew more about that kind of stuff and was helping him out. So he introduced me to his neighbor, Jesse. Jesse is a pastor at a, at a local church that serves the homeless. I said, oh yeah? Yeah. And Jesse looked at me and he said, so I hear you're, uh, you're, you're doing some studying at Denver Seminary, is that right? I said, yeah. He said, well, you know, it just so happens that uh, my mentor and, uh, and uh, one of the leaders at our church, he teaches there. Have you ever heard his name? my heart stopped. <laughs> and I said, yeah. Why don't you come to church with me this Sunday? I'll introduce you to him. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I did not tell a soul that I had that thought in my mind. And now if I don't tell you the result, you're going to be mad at me. You're going to ask me afterwards. I'll just tell you. The meeting happened. It was totally unremarkable. But what was remarkable is the way that God pieced those stories together and those, those moments and those events together in a way that just brought a great deal of comfort to me in a season that I really could have used it. It was a reminder to me uh, that God, God cares about me personally. Uh, 
that God listens, that God loves me. The Hebrews had a practice for this. They, they would, to, to remember events like this, they would often put stones as memorials. It's where we get the term Ebenezer from, Ebenezer stone. And I took that moment and I thought to myself, this is something that I, I want to remember and take with me to, to ground me and to give me hope going forward. But I forgot about it. And when that memory came flooding back when I was driving down I-70, honestly, it wasn't a pleasant feeling. It was I felt almost disturbed. How could I forget about this amazing event, this amazing moment of God's personal love for me? It felt like I was disconnected to something important that was meant to ground me and to to point me forward. I, I could hardly believe that I forgot. Well, perhaps you, find, you have found yourself in a similar place at one time or another. Look, maybe you've struggled with one of your teenager's personal decisions, and you forgot that you were once a teenager too, and you made some poor personal decisions. Or maybe you just have forgotten all of the good decisions that your teenager has made um, in, in really hard times to be a teenager. Or perhaps one of your relationships has started to sour, and you forgot what it was like to first build on that relationship and what made that relationship special and unique because of the present events going on. Could forgetting equally keep us from building a positive connection to God? That's what we're going to talk about today. And what we're going to talk about is important because memories are the things that relationships are built on and sustained by. And relationships, whether that's a relationship with our our children, our relationship with our parents, our siblings, our friends, our our co-workers, and especially our relationship with our Creator, relationships give life. Relationships give life. Jesus, quoting from Moses, said that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. Uh, In the original context in Deuteronomy chapter 8, which we're going to look at a little bit later, Moses was referring to the days when God provided this supernatural food for the Israelites to eat in the wilderness. And, And the point of that exercise was was simple. Um, if relationship with God is based only on what God gives you, it's, it's no relationship at all. It wasn't tasty food. There is no life there. And this is why remembering is so important in relationships. Every relationship, it, it, goes, through, it goes through ups and downs. There are the good seasons, uh, when we experience something new together. Um, there are the good times when we, we get to know each other in deeper ways or we, when we get to experience the reward of knowing somebody closely or, or intimately. Then there are the dry seasons. There are the tense times. There are the times of, of, of disappointment. 
when things get difficult, better memories can carry us through. Better memories can carry us through when things get difficult. Yet remembering can be hard sometimes, can't it? Well, I thought of several reasons as I was processing this message that, that, that keep us from remembering well. And one of the first ones that came to mind is, is we have, especially today, we live in an age where there's just too much information. And too much information means less retention. I was hesitant to be a, a, a smartphone adopter at first, but boy, there was a lot of pull on having all that information in one place. So I, I eventually pulled the plug. I, I, I had all of these books as a seminary student when the smartphone started to come out. And, and oh, I love the idea of being able to put all those books on a computer and not having to carry all those books around and having all that information accessible right from my phone. So I did something crazy and I, I cut all the binding off of all my books and I, I scanned them all and digitized every one of them. And maybe that's a longer story for another day, but uh, <laughs> if you go into my office, you'll see we have some bookshelves there, but that's the church library. I hardly have any physical books. So somebody could walk in there and say, well, this pastor's not very smart. And they might be right. <laughs> but I do have a lot of books. I may not read a lot of books, but I have a lot of books, just to, just to make things clear. I lost something in that. I lost the, the connection that happens in my brain when I know exactly where to flip in a book to find that information that, or that verse in the Bible that stood out to me. Like, there was a trade-off, and there are some great things about that trade-off. Don't get me wrong. But I gained more information, but I lost some knowledge in that trade-off. That's one of the reasons that we, that we struggle to remember. Another reason is, is that and maybe it's a product of the fall, but we are simply sometimes physically incapable. It's, we can't remember everything. And there are certainly some of you who, who know from your relatives and your friends and people that you're close with, people here at Christ Church who, are, who struggle with memory because of ailments and the realities that come with that. Well, it's not just a physical issue. It's, uh, losing memory it has to do with, there's an emotional side to it as well. Sometimes when confronted with uncomfortable situations, we stuff good memories out of self-preservation. Out of self-preservation. Maybe when we've been hurt by somebody, we don't want to remember the good memories of the past because it's, it's confusing and it's difficult to blend those two realities together. And I just want to say, if you have been hurt by somebody you don't have to surface those good memories. Our memories can change based upon new information in a present reality. So I don't want to diminish that point. At the same time, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes our present circumstances can warp past realities. We, we want to be truth seekers. And sometimes being truth seekers, and that can hurt. Uh, lastly, uh, 
uh, one of the reasons that, that remembering can be hard is, is sometimes there is no emotionally compelling reason to remember. Now, I'm not going to unpack that because uh, we're going to revisit that as we, as we get a little bit further into our, our text. If remembering is important for sustaining and nurturing relationships, is there a better kind of remembering uh, that we can practice that will make our relationships, especially our relationship with God, more life-giving and good? Today we're going to lean into that last part. And if there's some of you here who don't consider yourselves a Christian, I just want to say that we are really glad that you're here. We are really glad that you're here. And there was a time when I was on the other side of that, and, and I totally get that. Uh, maybe, maybe learning or trying to remember about God isn't exactly on the top of your list. I just want to celebrate the fact that you're, you're with us today, and, 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 I, and I promise as we go along in the message, there's, there's going to be something practical for you to take home as a part of this as well. So how can we maximize our memories and make the most out of our relationship with God. How could we maximize our memories and make the most out of our relationship with God? That's the question I want to ask today. And it just so happens that that was a question that potentially some of the ancient Israelites were asking themselves uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, which we'll turn to in a second. Uh, Moses' final days, uh, in, his, in his final days, he passed down wisdom around the Ten Commandments, or literally the Ten Words is what they're called in the Hebrew Scriptures. And he passed them down in a book called Deuteronomy. Uh, scholars have called it the linchpin of the Old Testament. It's one of the most quoted books from the Old Testament in the New Testament. It has life-giving counsel for, for those who follow God. And now you think that Moses, who, who led the people out of Egypt, would have an easy time uh, bringing this counsel to the Israelites at the time. But the truth is far from it. You think things would be pretty simple, but as glorious as the vision for the promised land was, their hearts kept going back to the chains. Their hearts kept going back to the chains. They forgot they forgot how bad things were. They forgot that God had saved them from, from the plagues through the Red Sea. They forgot about Sinai, the special relationship that God established with them alone, and the special privileges that they had to enjoy because of that. They forgot about God's miraculous provision of food in the desert. So Moses, in verse 2, he pleads with them. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way out in the wilderness these 40 years, in verse 2. And he reminds them of the miraculous flake-like food found in the desert called manna. You know what manna means? It means, what is this? It does. And to, to really get the tone, you have to imagine it coming from a two-year-old's mouth when you lay down a new vegetable in front of them. <laughs> what is this? What is this? Well, that wasn't lost on Moses, and that certainly wasn't lost on God, because this wasn't exa exactly a, a banquet 
or a feast for them to enjoy. It was steady sustenance, and it's what they needed, but it wasn't exactly what they wanted. This is especially important because God didn't give them exactly what they wanted to show them that they were not to live on bread alone. That's especially as important as they prepared to enter the promised land where they would be, where they would be inundated with a, a lavish feast. They would experience, they would, they would have all of their needs fulfilled. All the wheat they needed, all of the olive oil they needed, uh, fig trees, pomegranates, honey. It's not about the bread. If it becomes about the bread, we'll lose focus. We'll lose purpose. We'll lose ourselves. And that's what Moses wanted to communicate to the people. But with the words that I want to focus on today in Deuteronomy chapter 8, just a few verses after that, Moses is going to do a complete 180. It's not about the bread. But if you want to remember God in the land, don't forget about the bread. You ready? Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 10 through 16. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commandments, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you, are eat and you, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of the hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that, so that in, the end, in the end it might go well with you. Now, I don't know about you, but when I find myself in a rocky place, there's often a voice uh, that's, that's in my head uh, regarding some of the difficulty that's starting to surface. Sometimes it comes out in conversation. The end of the sentence changes based upon the circumstance, but, but the beginning of the sentence is almost always the same, and it sounds like this. If I can just... If I can just... And maybe that sounds familiar to you, too. If I could... If I could just get a better job, then I'd have more time to connect with God. If I could just get through this one project, then I'd be able to spend more time with my kids. If I could just get a raise, then it would be less stressful at home and I, I wouldn't lash out as much. You can hear the voices of the Israelites in this too, can't you? Lord, if we... If we could just get out of this desert and stop sleeping in these tents and have some stable living arrangements, then we would. 
Lord, if we could diversify our, our meal portions here, come on. Then we would. Then we would. There's a hard truth here. And it's a hard truth that I don't like to be confronted with and that I don't like, I don't like to face. But I, I think that we all know it intuitively. If we cannot enjoy a relationship with God apart from circumstances, we cannot enjoy a relationship with God. If we cannot enjoy a relationship with God apart from circumstances, then we cannot enjoy a relationship with God. But Moses has been around the block. He knows a thing or two. Chances are, if God gives you everything you ask for, the opposite is true. You're going to forget. Because when God is providing in ways that are not hard to explain, it's easy to explain him away. When God is providing in ways that are not hard to explain, it's easy to, it's easy to explain him away. Let's look at two more verses, verses 16, 17 and 18. You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Now I have a hunch, and I don't like to speculate. I don't like to speculate too much about how things were a lot harder back then or things were a lot easier. And I know there's some truth to that, but it seems like it can become a little bit of a game. But, but I do have a hunch about about the processes that, that, uh, that we are involved with when we get our food and how the distance that's created when we go and we purchase food at the marketplace, it almost it creates uh, a sort of distance where we don't really appreciate where things have come from, the hard work that has gone into it, as much as ancient people like the Israelites would have during this time. And the result of that is we just take things for granted more. Go to the grocery store, we pick up carrots, the tomatoes, uh, um, things that we have never tilled, soil that we have never tilled, seeds that we have never planted, plants that we have never watered. Even in this industrial age that we live in, we, we're not privy or a part of the transportation system that gets food from one place to another. We, we aren't a part of the supply chain. And it even, it even goes further than that. Look, Israel was intimately involved in production, and they were painfully aware that the success of their crops was often outside of their control. But even they sometimes believed that the work that they were doing was their own work, was to their own credit. Food is just the most basic and universal way that Moses is using to describe this. But we don't, I don't think that we're just talking about food here. We can certainly add shelter to this list. And, and if we kind of climb up Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we can add belonging we could add community. We could add friendship. We could add, we could add purpose to that list as well. 
And, and for those of us finding and enjoying success in any of those, it's easy to look at one's talents for success. It's easy to maybe credit good looks for belonging and having, having community. In all of that, these insidious words come up when challenged. I deserve this. I deserve this. Or, or I earned this. When our hearts go there, it's easy to lose an emotionally compelling reason for God. And, and maybe, maybe some of you have never crossed that line intellectually, but if you're like me, there are times when, when you emotionally have crossed that line. So Moses says this again, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Moses isn't talking about material wealth here. In this context, he's talking about the ability to provide for your family. And so Moses says this, Don't forget the Lord because he gives you the ability. And this is important because in the first section, Moses reminds us of God's supernatural provision. Every morning they woke up, there was food on the ground provided by God. And even though they lived in this worldview where everybody believed in the supernatural, unlike us, they weren't looking for the, the, the reason behind the reason. Everybody believed in their supernatu- the supernatural. It still had to have been shocking and surprising to see the food laying there every morning because it wasn't an everyday thing for them. It wasn't an everyday thing for them. We need those experiences. We need those moments when God steps in in surprising ways to get our attention. And we should remember them to the best of our ability. Moses knew, though, that those by themselves are not enough. We can't simply wait to see him, to see God in the unexplainable. We have to remember every everyday things, too. Moses says... This confirms his covenant. That is, the everyday things confirm God's loyal love for us. If we only see God in the once in a while, we will miss that he is also the God of the everyday. Ever-present, providing, and loving. We can maximize our, our memories and make the most out of our relationship with God, when we see Him, enjoy Him, and praise Him in the little things too. When we see Him, enjoy Him, and praise Him in the little things too. So how do we go about this? How do we do this? Well, the best way to go about this is to just simply do it. And... In a few minutes, we're going to give you the opportunity to just simply do it. But, but we all know that sometimes it's hard when, when we feel disappointed with God to show gratitude towards God. Or maybe some of us are just out of practice. Or maybe some of us have never done it at all. So I thought of a few ideas to help us to prime the pump of this practice. And first, it, the first one is to create space to enjoy what God has given you. To create space to enjoy what God has given you. 
Well, in January, we're going to be offering a class here at Christ Church. It's called the TechWise Family. And I had the opportunity to, uh, to listen to it ahead of time and really to be, to be blessed by it. Um, now, now, don't tell anybody, but I listened to it at 2x speed, and that might be kind of violating the principle of the whole uh, lesson, but whatever, right? I took it away, and I was blessed. It was just a few weeks after my surgery, and, and uh, my wife Amy had an appointment, so I was left with the kids for the first time in a while. One, two, and four. And I, I was stewing a little bit on the lessons that I had learned recently from this class. And we were at the dinner table eating supper, and I, I just stopped, and I said, Hey, kids, just stay here. I'll be right back. So I went downstairs, and I did something that I haven't done in a while, and I picked up the guitar, and I brought it upstairs. And uh, normally when I bring the guitar out, uh, I have little fingers that are running towards it to play it. And we allow little kids to play the guitar in my house, so (laughs) that's perfectly okay. But I said, hey, let's hold off for just a second, and let's just... Just create a moment and, and, and enjoy and see what happens. And I hadn't played in a long time. And I was trying to conjure up some song. I think we sang a few silly songs. And then this one came. Come thou fount of every blessing To my heart to sing thy grace and something magical happened. My one-year-old started swaying back and forth in this high chair like this. My two-year-old and my four-year-old, they climbed down from their chairs and they started dancing and started singing along. And it was this precious moment of engagement that just awoke my heart instead of going to something passive that we could do. We were engaged on all levels. And it was really beautiful. It reminded me and was probably a little bit of a challenge to me that sometimes I spend more time building and preparing for moments like those than I do just engaging and enjoying them. If we spend more time and put all of our focus into going on a vacation is the time that we enjoy our family. I think that we might be doing something wrong. As good as and important that is, that is, if that's what, where we put all of our eggs in, I think that we're doing something wrong. If we put all of our focus on that spiritual retreat we're looking forward to, to enjoy God and to connect with God, I think that we are doing something wrong. So create moments to enjoy God. And they don't have to be complicated. Sometimes they're, sometimes they're right in front of us. Second, let God know that you are learning to trust him. Something that I've talked about and shared about frequently is one of the ways that I like to start out with prayer and personal prayer to God is, is to, to start out with confession. Think about some of the sins that I have committed. And I lean into a verse, 1 John 1, 9. 
confess your sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and also to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. What a powerful verse that allows us to have healing. But something changed in that prayer recently. Instead of just doing that in a surface level, I started asking myself, well, what were the things that I did wrong, and what was the reason behind the things that I was doing wrong? To go a little bit deeper. So instead of just saying, you know, God, I really had a hard time relinquishing control in that situation, or maybe I spoke with my kids a little bit harshly in that moment, more often than not, I'm now at, at saying to God, look, I failed to trust you in that situation. And what an amazing opportunity it is to experience his healing when we identify the root cause of things and invite God to come in and heal us and restore us. To heal us and restore us. So, so let's, let's let God know that you are learning to trust him. And lastly, know that even when you forget God, he has not, forget, he has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. There's an article that came out in The Guardian this week. It's the story of Steph Harvey. Well, Steph still remembers the day that her kayak flipped over and she felt the bump on her head. Uh, she saw the blood in the water. She remembers being pulled out to safety. She, she, remembers, she remembers them telling her, it's okay. It looks like everything is going to be okay. Until she got to the hospital and realized that the concussion caused a permanent form of amnesia. She didn't have the same personality anymore. She couldn't do the same skills that she could anymore. And she didn't remember her own husband and daughter. Well, the article recounts a little bit from her perspective, her journey. My amnesia frustrated us. <clears throat> I couldn't remember anything about Richard, her husband. I was living with a stranger. So was he. Bewildered and overwhelmed, I cried daily. Richard never criticized. He just encouraged me. I'd forget, I'd forget I'd turn on the cooler. He'd ask, is something burning? Or the cooker, is something burning? His approach helped me stay calm. We'd smile and say, oops. When we look at our wedding photos, it's like being shown someone else's pictures. It looks nice. The people are smiling. But I don't remember it. I feel sad for Richard that we can't have those shared memories. I would ask him, why are you still with me? You're still you, he'd say. I made a commitment to you. I would have, it would have been easier to walk away, but that would have said more about me than it would have said about you. What a perfect analogy. <laughs> when we forget God and his everyday love for us, he is still faithful. In our ability to put food on the table, whether we think upon him, whether we remember him, he is still faithful. When we laugh with our kids, he is still faithful. When we enjoy a conversation with somebody at church, he is still faithful. 
when we're able to work with our hands or work with our minds, he is still faithful. And these are all powerful reminders that, that God's covenant to his people has been extended and been expanded, that has been ex- extended and expanded through the new covenant, a new relationship with us, and perhaps most importantly realized through the unmatched grace of Jesus Christ. We might forget But the invitation is always there to remember him in the everyday, seemingly ordinary. Because he loves me. And he loves you. And you are still you. You are still you. What would it look like to enjoy God in a little bit of a deeper way? In a little bit more of a present way in your life? right now. We have, some of us have come across these people that own this and that know this. They are different. It's hard for circumstances to really change the way that they go about. They rarely complain. They take on strange statements about their hopes, expectations, and desires like, if the Lord wills, They're not always happy. Sometimes they're lonely and they're sad and they grieve. But they're always steady with a twinkle in their eye, a twinkle of hope in their eye. You might hear them say, praise God. But uh, not really as a command. And not so much as an invitation, although that's not bad. But more as an uncontrollable expression of gratitude. Because they see God in the little things, and because, and because of that, they walk with God daily. We can maximize our memories and make the most out of our relationship with God when we see Him, when we enjoy Him, and when we praise Him in the little things. And I just couldn't help from that article from Steph just a little bit ago. It just stood out to me. It was almost the perfect way to to conclude this message the way that she concludes her article as well. She says this about her husband. Over time, I watched him, asking if he felt worried and and why, or happy and why. After a few years, I could hold enough information in my head to realize that I had married a really lovely person. In spite of our own limits, God has made us hold information about him, to grow in that information about him, and to come to the special knowledge that we have the privilege of being in a relationship with a really lovely God. Let's draw near to him as he draws near to us. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your generosity. Thank you that you have not forgotten us even though daily, moment by moment, we forget you. But you are still present, the hound of heaven, seeking after our souls, Lord, inviting us to experience your grace in the little things, even when sometimes we have waited a long time for a big thing to happen, and we've experienced a lot of letdown. So I pray by your great mercy that you would fill our hearts through the Holy Spirit, and that you would enable us to experience gratitude, hope, and peace 
by seeing you, by knowing you, by enjoying you, and by praising you evermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to just create a little bit of space, about 10 minutes or so, for you to come forward and share your thoughts. about something good that is a part of your life and how that draws you to a deeper connection with God. I do thankful and gratitude things a lot. I've done some exercises in it. And so um, thinking about what's good in my life, most of you who know me, I pray. Um, part of that's because I had, was introduced to George Mueller early in my Christian walk and got very bold and praying crazy things, and it was great. So prayer, whoops, my time is up. Prayer is, <laughs> prayer is a really good thing in my life. I'm very thankful for all... I'm, thankful for my husband, Jesus, for John. Uh, and so I think that prayer, I keep prayer journals, and I found them from years ago. That Oh, yeah, I remember I prayed for that. So it helps me to have a connection with God that I care about these people. I may not be able to physically do something with them or whatever, but I can pray for them. I shared with a coworker who was so frustrated with every, everything going on in Ukraine and she said, I wish there was something I could do. And I said, that's why I pray, because at least I feel like I'm doing something. And so prayer for me is something very good in my life, and it keeps me close to the Lord. And when he answers prayer, and I don't like when people say that God doesn't answer prayer, because he always does. He says yes, he says no, or he says wait. And so, yeah, prayer is a good thing in my life. It keeps me connected with the Lord. At least one extrovert here, right? No. Um, I'm just very thankful um, just having gone through the last year and that, you know, that Victoria is cancer-free. And, you know, that's just something that has been such a blessing. And uh, just to see all the people here that prayed and all the people that brought us meals and how you as a community surrounded us and just very grateful for that and the, uh, the witness that that was to our family. Thank you. He beat me. Um, yes, and thank you for this for the community that surrounded us. And I'm deeply grateful for my husband. Um, not only was it a cancer struggle the past, you know, nine months or so, but he held us together with grace and devotion during um, three months that my mom lived with us in hospice. And that was just a big challenge. But um his dedication to our kids and their hearts and emotions during that time was just God-inspired, and I can't speak enough to his faithfulness and dedication to our, our family. So thank you. Hey, Patriots fans. Uh, several years ago, I don't know actually how many years ago, I... Um, decided to stop focusing on uh, bad things that were happening and decided to focus on that term we hear a lot, attitude of gratitude. And I did, and I did, you know, it didn't happen right away, but consistently changed my way of thinking. Um, for if we look in our days, or if I looked in my days, every day there was something to be grateful for that God had made happen and still does. 
and that is part of my my evening prayer life every night is to not is to not focus on things that I'd rather have or things that I want to happen or blah, not that I don't ask for those but to always remember what God's already put in my life and that has changed the way I see the world and God's movement in it uh, we hear that phrase a lot an attitude of gratitude but it, it has for me personally changed my walk through this world When John asked us right at the, at the beginning of the service, immediately I thought of my husband. Uh, we've been married almost 54 years now, and we've had so... <laughs> I think only Ralph has been married longer. <laughs> um, but we have had uh, so many ups and downs, uh, but adventures together. And I'm so grateful for those adventures. I'm thankful for all the things that God has ca uh, taught us through raising our daughters and watching our grandchildren grow. It's just been, uh, been an amazing time. And we could focus on the differences that still, after all these years, uh, drive us a little bit crazy about each other. And, and it's easy to focus on that, but it's such a beautiful challenge to focus <clears throat> on all the things that God has given us. And I, as a woman, am so particularly grateful that I have somebody who I can say, will you please take care of that? Or he's just willing to take care of something that I don't want to do. It's not my pay grade. It's not. <laughs> but so many women have to do all those things because they don't have a partner. And so I'm so grateful for somebody who faces all the challenges of an older life together. Thank you. Well, I'm grateful and gra I want to show gratitude for today's message. Um, I, uh, I, that Deuteronomy verses, somebody had um, taken out a quarter page ad in Time magazine and basically paraphrased all that, um, those verses and the, and the, uh, the uh, message from Moses to the people. And it was in the 70s, back when people read Time magazine. And uh, I cut it out, and I probably still have it stuck to the wall in my basement or something like that. Um, but it's a good thing to walk by and read once in a while. And uh, it just brought it back for me. I'm very grateful. Thank you. So I'm grateful for a lot of things, but this one is a, a tangible one that just happened last week. Um, over the summer, I developed a habit of, of walking several times a week at work, trying to, you know, get healthier. But as the time is, I mean, as the weather's gotten colder, I'm not so motivated to go outside. And so I was talking to God about that because I'm like, I don't want to lose, you know, where I've, where I've gained that healthy habit. And... Um, 
Uh, last week, a coworker called me out of the blue. She said, hey, I noticed you've been walking. Want to walk together? And so we walked a couple times together last week, and we're just motivating each other and talking about doing it over the winter. And I'm just really grateful for that because um, I can't do it by myself. I, I know myself too well. I won't do it. <laughs> I'll say I'll do it, and then I won't do it. But when I have someone else with me, I definitely will. So I'm really grateful for that simple answer to prayer.